AIU basketball sucks. It just does. I mean, every day I got this thing over my shoulder, and it just sucks. But it doesn't suck as much as people whining at Kenny Smith. Look, it's a new world. You can speak honestly. You can say the word thug. You can say that women should shoot from the three-point line of women. And you can say DEI sucks, Sue Bird. I'm on one. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. Makes for a really good show. But if you don't like Kenny Smith, screw you. The world is changed, and we can start saying what's real. Don't at me is real, and we are right now. You know, I got up early this morning, and I'm not sure why, but I did. I just felt like I couldn't sleep. I don't know. And I started going over today's show, and one of the things I wanted to talk about was how could anybody get mad at Kenny Smith? All right, we're going to go right into it. This is what Kenny Smith said yesterday that hurt the stupidest, most ridiculous feelings out there. Go ahead. I, I, I think she should have shot from the She should have shot from the women's line. That would have been a fair contest. I still root for Sabrina. I still root for Sabrina. We all are rooting for Sabrina. No. This is not Sabrina. What are you she should have shot from the three-point line that the women shoot from. Why are you putting those boundaries on her? That's she, not a boundary. She That's what the shoot. game is. She wanted to shoot. They have a smaller ball, don't they? She's not a WNBA ball. WNBA ball is smaller. She shot with the WNBA ball. Yeah, but she, ball. Did. she shot from the line. It, it, there's it, a it, women's it. tee in golf and there's a men's tee. For a reason. No. She a shooter shoot. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, but they shoot from where they shoot from. No. Thank you. No, no, no. Sabrina, good job, shoot. Sabrina. No, but, but don't let any man put boundaries on you like Kenny. Uh, but then give him a regular don't, ball then. Don't let him the same man ball. put boundaries on you. Give him a regular ball then. It's not fair. I mean, honest to God, Reggie Miller is such a punk in that instance. I mean, let's be honest. I know you all love Reggie Miller, blah, 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 blah. But what a pussy. I mean, seriously. I mean, what's he doing? Well, don't put boundaries. No one's putting boundaries on anything. All they're simply saying is if you're going to shoot with a smaller ball, shoot from the women's line. If you're going to be with, if you want to know the truth, lower the rim too. They do it in volleyball. I mean, this isn't that freaking hard. But the fact of the matter is if that upsets you, you're a dumbass. I mean, if that got you, look, the smartest people alive telling the truth cannot stop so that it doesn't offend some moron. It's just not the way the world is supposed to work. And there's nothing Kenny Smith said wrong. But of course, you know what? Little woke Reggie Miller knows the right words to say. It's like Mina Kunis, or not Mina Kunis, Mina Kimes and Pablo Torre and all the Levitard crowd know the little words to say. Don't put barriers or restrictions. No one's doing that. Just saying, look, you shoot from the women's three-point line, you're shooting with a women's ball, try to win. It's so stupid, and it gets dumber. And people actually lost their minds over this. They did. And I'm sitting there. I thought when I saw that, I saw Kenny Smith lost his career tonight. I saw, oh my God, I can't believe Kenny. And I listened to it, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's right. And Danny Z has a great article in Outkick at Outkick.com about it. He's right. He's just telling you the truth. But Reggie Miller, of course, because he's a little woke guy and he knows what to say and he's got all the cute words. So they went back and forth. Here's some more. 
and men versus women in the three-point contest. We put the best four NBA players against the best WNBA players. Shooters shoot, and let's see it. Even playing field. There's no 10-foot rim that holds you back, and let's knock it down. Well, according to you, you want her just playing with dolls, right? No, I want her, I want her to shoot from no, where she shoots from. No, she does shoot threes in the game. Just not like from there. Caitlin Court, All right, the coming up, it's the AT&T slam dunk. Can Mac McClung defend his title? Or will we crown a new slam dunk champion? And there's nothing wrong to play with dolls, Kayla. And London, you can play with dolls. Y'all are good with that, too. Yeah, I didn't think that was awkward. I just thought that was stupid. I mean, and that's what Kenny Smith did. Yeah, women like to play with dolls. What, is that bad now? Look, it's much ado about nothing, but it just shows a bigger picture that the world we know is just stupid. And it's changed. No, it really has. Uh, it has changed. You can say the word thug now. Yeah, you should. I mean, John Beeline damn near got fired, but hey, man, R- Ryan Clark said thug. I'm saying thug. I don't give a damn what you all say. You can say that a woman shoots with a smaller basketball and should shoot from the women's three-point line. That's her line. There's nothing sexist about that except for idiots with beards that are little men. That's what they do, and I don't want to hear from them. Nobody wants to hear from them, and the smartest people should not have to be silenced as to not offend the dumbest. Kenny Smith was 100% right. And then there was Sue Bird. And then there was Sue Bird who said, we've got to have a female voice in there. Now, here's the deal with female voices. And this actually came from my wife, the lovely Lee Ross Dockage. First off, they all got weak voices. I love Beth Mowens, but she can't call a big call. <laughs> can't do it. They all do. I Get mad, glad, angry, or sad, but I'm telling you, on this show at least, it's a new day. They can't call a big game. And when you listen to women, they don't need the game. They do not understand the game from an X's and O's standpoint enough. Not one analyst except for my wife. And actually, my wife got calls from Major League Tucker Barnhart saying, I've never heard a woman be so good X's and O's. Why? Because women just talk about nuance. Oh, yeah. Let's hear storytelling about Sabrina. You got a three-point contest. I did it for years. You know storytelling. See, women talk about emotions. Well, you know, they're really fired up to play. They watch softball. The worst is there's this lady named Meg Aronowitz. Now, Meg was over her. Somehow she survived the Me Too movement. And it's because she's lesbian. But she survived it, even though she did all kind of crazy things when she divorced her husband who worked under her. But Meg is in charge of ESPN, the women's softball. And she hires all these young ex-players. And they're all dumb. I, our emotions, the emotion, they're so fire. They don't know the game. My wife did it for a while and they're like, holy cow, is she good? But then COVID hit and we moved on, but it's unbelievable. You get women announcers in there. All they talk about is emotions and feelings. Holy cow. There's a lady who's the worst announcer in men's basketball named Debbie Antonelli. And she is getting some award by the, uh, hall of fame. Along with J.A. Adande, who said, like, I don't even know. I'll get to what he said. I got to look it up because it's so stupid. But I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Women analysts are the worst. Women play by play. Well, it's a big hit. No, you didn't need a woman in there. It was entertaining with Kenny Smith. It was entertaining with Reggie Miller. No, I need a woman in there. 
For what? So we can say, I guess, well, we actually needed an African-American lesbian woman. (laughs) Well, you didn't need an African-American because you had two African-Americans on there. So they needed Sue Bird. Jesus. The world needs less Sue Bird, who, by the way, by the way, will not, not be with Megan Rapinoe in a couple years. Sue Bird will be with a husband and a family. Book it. Book it. Period. Period. I'm telling you right now. You don't need we need less women in the in broad. We do, and I know that's wrong. See, I said the other day there, there's some DEI hire who's like a college basketball analyst for like uh bleacher report. And I said and she's complaining about Indy. And I said, that's crap. I said, just another DEI hire that gets arrogant, thinks they can offend somebody. We'll claim victim status, or I was just kidding. See, Clarissa Thompson. So people came at me. Oh, you're racist, you're sexist, DEI. No, 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 no. I have an agent. His his name is Maury Gosfred. He's with the Montag Group, the biggest agency that there is. And whenever I talk to him, whenever I talk to him, he's like, yeah, I need an African-American woman. Yeah, I need an agent. You know any any, uh, blonde, pretty girls that... Can talk. It's all that. All DEI hire. I'm telling you, Sue Bird is going to figure it out, and she's going to run. Because these two, at least the one on the left, is miserable in her 30s. You tell me what lesbian in her 60s that was miserable in her 30s playing on the greatest team in the, in the world with more fame and, fo- and, and stardom is all of a sudden going to be happy in their 60s. It ain't happening. Mark my words. That's sexist. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. I don't care what you say. Uh, I, I don't. No. I can't believe you say those things. Well, I don't know what to tell you, but we are. Look at that thing in the middle. What is that? What in the hell? Anyway, sorry if that's your wife. I hope it's nobody I know's wife. Uh you got to understand something about Jay Williams. Jay Williams is trying really hard. He's not exactly the most diligent preparer. And he isn't in favor with a guy named Dave Roberts. But Dave brought him back from the incredibly bad show that he, Keyshawn, and somebody else did. uh, Whoever it was. Okay, morning radio. So Jay Williams is trying really, really hard to take an incredibly boring show. Now look. I like Jay, I like Jay Billis, and I like Seth Greenberg, but that show is unwatchable. They brought some sisters in, they brought some nothing, nothing, uh, they brought nothing in that makes it interesting. It's dull, it's quiet, it needs to be loud, and they need me. But I digress, they couldn't pay me enough, but I digress. So on the show, Jay Williams trying really, really hard. And he's trying to make a splash, he's trying to make it interesting, so, well, let's, let's hear from Jay Williams. And we're actually talking about college game day basketball version, which is amazing in itself because I'm telling you, Jay Billis, well, you know, that's the greatest player. Oh, shut up. Let's hear from Jay Williams. I think she is the Stephen Curry of women's college basketball. I think she has changed the dynamics of the way the game is played. I think the way she plays, the pizzazz, is that she's probably the most prolific scorer the game of basketball has ever seen. Unmatched. I am, I am unwilling, and maybe it's more the, the Kobe mentorship around me, 
to say that she is great yet. I think she is the most prolific scorer the game has ever seen. I hold great for the levels of immortality or the pantheon to when you win championships. I'm just be that's just me. So Diana Taurasi, when you win three consecutive championships, two-time national player of the year, it has to it has to culminate with the chip. It has to. I mean, Brianna Stewart, if we're talking about GOAT legends of the game, she's won four chips. Four chips, multiple national players of the year. So I'm not saying that she's not at a high, high, high level, but for it to go to the states of immortality, in my opinion, it has to culminate with your team winning a championship. My Kobe mentorship. <laughs> so you're a rapist? What? <laughs> my, my Kobe mentorship. So Bird was no good in college. Uh, if Jordan didn't hit one shot, he wasn't any good in college. Samson wasn't any good in college. I mean, shut up. I mean, come on. I mean, what? I mean, I, look, I get it. You got to understand. It's also some race in there. Although he's married to a white woman from Carmel, but you got to understand. Uh, the level of stupid here, if you understand he's trying to make an impression, he's trying to get their show on the, on the map people. And it worked. People talked about it like Jay Williams. I mean, he didn't go to Rutgers so he could strut around and say, Hey, I won a national champ. I mean, how many people have won national championships at Connecticut? Well, Diane Trossi or so. Okay. I mean, this woman took Iowa, which used to, which actually, I think until 20, 2002, the state of Iowa played three-on-three women's basketball, meaning three on offense against three on defense. The ball changed court. Three people were playing offense on the other team against three on defense. You can look it up. It's very recent. And she took them to the national championship game, kind of like Larry Bird did. <laughs> And this moron is, well, she's not great because of my Kobe mentorship. Oh, shut the lip. So you learn to be a rapist. So every time you go to a hotel like Kobe did, they had to clean out and tell the women, do not come around. Okay. Or, or really, my Kobe mentorship. Oh, my God. I love dudes got to tell you their resume. Look, it's Jay Williams. You don't pay attention. There's nothing about him that's ever been studied. It, it's off the top. It's just whatever. And he's trying to impress Davey Roberts, who doesn't like him. My Kobe, I like Jay a lot. But my Kobe mentorship, it's my Kobe mentorship. The only thing that matters is champions. Larry Bird was a crap college player. Garbage. There's like 8 million more. I'll tell you there's no good anybody on Indiana. They suck. I mean, I'll give you that. But don't tell me it's about the championship when you went to Duke and they won them before you and they won them after you. I don't know. Maybe in the 40s, Iowa went to the women's semifinals. I don't know. But she took a squat. If Jay Williams had some real nuts, he wouldn't have gone to Duke. He'd have gone and brought up Rutgers like Caitlin Clark brought up Iowa. But he didn't. He did what everybody else did, including myself. I'm like, man, I'm going to the biggest, best program, and that was Indiana, and he went to Duke. No problem. Let me put it to you this way. To anybody that isn't an idiot or doesn't have that Kobe rapist mentorship, because that's what Kobe ultimately was. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah, he won some titles, but I remember him for that. And I've always been wondering, when is the woman that this happened to in Colorado is not to compete 
get over with. It'd be interesting to hear from her father. But I digress. Kobe's dead. Let's not talk about it. But the truth of the matter is, Caitlin Clark's the best basketball player I've ever seen in women's basketball. And I've been watching this since Lucy Harris at Delta State and Donovan at Old Dominion. Lynette Woodard at Kansas. Are you kidding me? Hell, at Indiana in 83, last time they were any good before the last couple of years, Denise Jackson was a stud, and she was the Big Ten's MVP while pregnant by Johnny Salters, the running back. That's right. <laughs> I know women's basketball, Katie Smith et al. And ain't nobody as good as Caitlin Clark. Nobody as flashy. And she changed the game. She changed the game exactly like Steph Curry has changed the game. Now you're going to see little girls be unafraid to pull up from a 1,000. You know, I've talked about this before on this show. Back in the day, you'd be like, hey, man, why are you shooting from there when you can move up three feet and gum the line a little bit? Like, what are you doing? Now it's like, hey, man, shoot it. You practice it. You guys make them, shoot them. Because Steph Curry made it cool in my Steph Curry mentorship. (laughs) I can't stop laughing. I didn't hear that part. I must have missed that part when I was listening to the, the, the stupidity. Like, my, my must have been my Kobe mentorship. Really? Yeah, must have been. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. I, but you can get away with saying anything if you're the right person at ESPN. Uh, but he didn't say anything bad, and he got people talking about it, so he said something good, because I'm telling you, I, I love Seth. Seth comes on the show, but that show got a lot of work, and he knows it. He's no dummy. Uh, we're going to continue my Kobe mentorship here. But Caitlin Clark's the best basketball player I've seen. Caitlin Clark is the best basketball player in the women's game that I have seen. I understand there are greats. Uh, fine. But what she has done, the way she plays, there is no second. All right, let's get to a little college basketball over the weekend, shall we? I had a great time yesterday. Yesterday was a great day. I got my Illinois State shirt on. Where's my hat? I had my hat on. Oh, yeah, here it is. If we're going to talk about college basketball, I got to wear my Illinois State hat and my Illinois State shirt. But first, Indiana. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. You got to burn it down, don't you? I mean, don't you just got to burn the damn thing down? Indiana basketball lost. And we're down 14 at home to Northwestern, playing without one of their best players, Ty Berry. Indiana's got like five five-star players. Now, let me explain to you, Indiana fans, your prop. First off, I left there in 97, and all hell is broke loose. And I take that very serious. It did. Knight got fired, which I told him, if you don't have someone like me, you're going to get your ass fired. Had one good year. Discipline is gone. Mike Woodson, the head coach, has the NBA mentality. He's about three bottles into red wine within an hour after the game. And cigars a little bit south of downtown. Used to be at Indiana. You lost a game like that. You were practicing at six. Used to be at Indiana. You lost a game like Purdue the week before. Ain't nobody laughing. But here's the thing, and this is something we all have to strive for. I talked to uh, Aaron, and Aaron and I talk about this all the time about this show. You cannot let mediocrity slip in. You can't. So the other day, Indiana had a bunch of former players at practice. D.J. White quit against Arkansas in 08. Some guy named Miller Cop, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, 
Race Thompson, all of whom quit two years ago against uh, St. Mary's, lost by 35 in the NCAA tournament, and then last year to Miami. Quit. Stop playing. Now, let me ask you a question. You're sitting in a locker room. You're sitting in a locker room, and here come these idiots. And you know they've quit, and they're around practice. So Woodson is saying, okay, you guys are mediocre. Come back. See, here's what I would have done. We want you back. We'd love to have you back. Please come back. But you can't come to practice. It's closed. And you can't come in the locker room. Hey, if you need to wait, work out in the weight room, great. I'll buy some pizzas. Come on and hang out upstairs in the, uh, in the coach's offices for a little bit. I'll feed you. But you ain't coming. nobody's coming to practice today, and no one's in the locker room. Because seriously, what are these idiots going to say? What is Miller Cop going to say at Indiana? Well, you know, we, we, we made good TikToks and we quit. So Indiana gets thumped. The coach Woodson cannot be fired. I refuse to allow him to be fired because he's pure comedy. And he's got coaches. Listen to this. A couple of his coaches decided it was okay to take a side piece, I've been told, on a trip, fair, uh, school business, to the Bahamas. <laughs> That's what I've been told by a really good source. The side woman. I don't, I don't think they were married at the time, but the girlfriend and the side girl. That's Indiana basketball for you. Fantastic. What a joke. Hey, Jake Diebler is a guy I like, and I'm, I'm, I am very, 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 very kind of conflicted because I know Gene Smith who, when Urban Meyer was going through some stuff, this old Gene Smith, who's the greatest GM in America, right? Old Gene Smith said, I got to go on vacation, leaving Urban hanging. Old Gene Smith did nothing to back up his coach, Chris Holtman, and I love Chris Holtman. I'll take a bullet for Chris Holtman. He was so good to Andrew. But the fact of the matter is this. The fact of the matter is, I can't get over the Indiana stuff. It's just so ridiculous. Anyway, the fact of the matter is, Gene Smith didn't have to let Holtman go. He didn't have to, but he did. I like the Diebler family. I like Jake the coach. I like John. I recruited them both. I like the dad, Keith, who I think is the all-time winning high school coach in the history of Indiana bas- or Ohio basketball. I like him. All right? I do. But the fact of the matter, I'm just conflicted. But anyway, yesterday, Ohio State played its nuts off. Ohio State played hard. I mean, really hard. They held Edie, which sounds ridiculous, right, to 22 and 13. And next thing you know, Purdue, number two in the country behind Connecticut, got beat on the road. I always say this. I always say this, and I don't feel bad saying it because it's true. When you win a game on the road, man, it's, it's to be celebrated. I don't care if you're Purdue number two in the country against Ohio State with an interim coach. You saw yesterday, it's hard to win on the road. So here we come, right? Here we go. Purdue goes to Ohio State. Ohio State plays great. Purdue plays okay, I suppose, and they lose. All right. This is why I tell coaches there are three great days in your life as a coach. Marriage, kids, road wins. And the order depends on the win. That's why, don't be surprised that Purdue loses. Don't even be a little bit. It's hard to win on the freaking road. Period. Period. Hard. So 
So it's not this great surprise. It is what it is. Now, <laughs> Rick Patino. So Rick Patino is the old school coach, and I love Rick Patino. I don't even know Rick Patino, but when I was working at ESPN and he wanted to get back into coaching, I'd text him because I used to test people. I used to be like, yeah, I mean, Patino would never text me back, but now I'm working at ESPN, let's see. And he wants to get back in, so sure enough, I would text Patino, and sure enough, he would text me back. Now, once I left ESPN, I'd do my little study. Never text me back since. But anyway, so Patino gets back into coach. I love him. I think he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, coach of all time. But he ain't happy. Patino is pissed. Patino says this is the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. Now, you got to understand, this is a guy that got caught stooping some crazy woman. She stalked him. She went to jail. Now, think about that for a second. He stooped her in a closed, closed restaurant that she said in court the sex took 15 seconds. Now, wait. It's embarrassing enough that you get caught stooping someone that isn't your wife. It's embarrassing enough that you get caught stooping somebody that, well, frankly, is crazy. It's even more embarrassing when they say, yeah, you know what, uh, grown-ass man, not 15 seconds. He went through being extorted. He had to face the ignominy of expo exposing the extortion, thus outing himself and his affair. And this is the worst experience of his life. Now think about that for just a second. Not all that. This here. A bad basketball team that lost to Seton Hall 68-62. Now, I might say that it was one of the worst experiences of my life because me and Don Julio, we bet the over 69 for Seton Hall. So I feel your angst. I do. His team committed 15 turnovers, third straight lost, eighth in the last 10. Do we have shitty facilities? Yes, we do. But we're doing something about that. But that's not the reason we're losing. Having shitty facilities has nothing to do with garden. Look, Joe Soriano is slow laterally. He's not fast on the court, Patino said. Chris Lendham is slow laterally. Sean Conway, slow laterally. Brady Dunlap, physically weak. Drista, slow laterally. We kind of lost this season. I love Patino. I'm sorry. This is for my own amusement. But I want you to listen to this. Like, little Greggy Doyle is mad because Woodson said that their player, Renew, played awful yesterday. And Greggy, who was never good enough to do anything, play anything other than with himself, is upset about that. But the truth of the matter is, listen to Patino here. We lost this season with the way we recruited. Wow. We recruited the antithesis of the way I coach. A good group, try hard, but not tough. It's not the job. We could be at Missouri, recruit slow players. Believe me, it's not St. John's. We had to put together a team at the last second. We will never, ever do that again. Look at my guys coming up with stuff. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
Oh, man. Ricky P. Come on. Don't don't recruit slow players. And then there's Kentucky. Ricky P's old place. Now we got Kentucky. And Kentucky, which I made a ton of money. I went against Don Julio. I did. I made a ton of money on this one. Kentucky was an eight-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. No chance. I took Kentucky money line. I took the eight-and-a-half. My toes were tapping. So, Kentucky goes into Auburn. And beats the dog out of Auburn. It was basically Kentucky up, then up more, then back. You know what I mean? Like, gets to 12, gets to 7, at the 5, gets to 10, gets to 12. You know, that kind of game. But after the game, well, that's where the beauty of having Calipari and Bruce Pearl comes in. Bruce Pearl was asked about a demoralizing defeat. Here's the great coach, Bruce Pearl. The, the, the first time you guys have really had a true, like, just demoralizing game just in this building, demoralizing injury. This was not a demoralizing game. <laughs> that was a good team that played a really good game. What's demoralizing about a loss to Kentucky when they play well? So I can't even begin to answer that. Do I look demoralized to you? Anybody think I'm demoralized? No, the point is, and this is what I want you guys to understand, I mean, our guys have been achieving at a high level. I mean, they've been, and it's, and oh, by the way, it's funny, I looked at the schedule the other day, and we're playing South Carolina, and they're 20-3. and three, And have, they've won seven in a row. And I said to my son, Stephen, I said, you know what? This might be the easiest game of the next four. Looking at Kentucky here, even going to the road to Georgia, then going to Tennessee, and so for these kids to have grinded and be in the position, guys, come on, demoralized? He ain't wrong. I mean, he's demoralized. You know, you get suicidal as a coach when you lose. I mean, you just do, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, you sit there in a fetal position. Uh, and Bruce, of course, expected to beat Kentucky. Well, the winner, Calipari, he's had enough of people coming at his players. And he does this about twice a year. I mean, this has kind of been his M.O. where he, he, well, you'll see. He defends his guys, and I like it. We're hoping to see something different. We have some people here that are there for a reason. We're going to make this out to be. Please just lead my players. Let them be young and learn and keep attacking me. I may be the worst in the country. Just attack me and leave these kids alone, okay? Thank you. And yes. He's right. See, that I like. Attack the coaches. Leave the players alone. Nah, that's crap. That ain't happening at Kentucky, Indiana, Kansas, Carolina, Duke. Are you crazy? It's a pastime at Ohio State for football to attack everybody. You lose, we're mad. You win, we're happy. You lose, we're going to come at the coach. You win, we're happy. You lose, we'll come at the players. You win, we're happy. You lose bad, we're going to come at the coach and the players. You win, we're happy. If you lose a lot, we're going to get rid of all of you. That's the berries. 
That's the way it is. I like Calipari saying that, and he's smart to say it after a win. Because nobody's going to attack anybody because they lost three or so in a row at Rupp Arena for the first time ever. They've bounced back with a couple good victories. So he knows nobody's going to attack him, and he's just planning it. Calipari is a freaking genius. And did you know that seven NBA All-Stars, the most ever, were from Kentucky? Now, I don't know if you watched the All-Star game. It was a little bit difficult to watch. It was like 250 to 230, whatever it was, 216 to 185, whatever. So if you had to over, it hit you nicely. But the record previous was four. Four was the record. The record is now seven. Man. You'd think they'd have been to more Final Fours or won more national championships, and actually, De'Aaron Fox and Jamal Murray weren't part of that seven. They've run some cats through cat country. But you got to win a national championship at some point, don't you? I mean, I know he's got one, and that's great, but when you got seven All-Stars, two more that should – I mean, honest to God, how many players does it take? It's like how many Boilermakers does it take to screw an ice or a a – uh, light bulb. Jeez. Oh, yeah. And by the way, the last game we're going to talk about. bump it up bump it up bump it up Illinois State men's basketball. Now, let me explain something to you. Why am I talking about this? Two reasons. One, my son coaches there, and they had a big win last night. But two, see, the Dockage family motto is sack up. Which means, yeah, things are going bad. Shut up. Sack up. Get going. Okay? Just stop. All right? Forget it. Just stop. Go. Go to work. Go to school. My parents are both teachers. You're sick? Yeah, go to school. All right. So Illinois State is looking terrible. One game, one for 18. One game, two for 23. One game, one for 23 on threes. Can't make nothing. But there's a kid on Illinois State. He's a senior named Kendall Lewis. And while they're getting beat, whether it was against Bradley or a really bad UIC team or Southern Illinois, man, was he playing hard. And he was a senior. And it's easy for seniors to go in the toilet. But you know what this kid did not do? He did not go in the toilet. And he doesn't even know. He was playing so hard. I told my son, I go, look, I go, I know you're getting beat. I know you're embarrassed. But I tell you what. Kendall's playing hard, and if everybody sees it, it's going to turn around. Now, I don't know if everybody saw it, and they promoted a point guard named Johnny Kitzinger, who's the best freshman in the country you have no idea about. He had 31 on the road against Indiana State, but they backed that up yesterday with a win against Evansville at home. Now, Evansville is really good. When they have their big kid, they're 13-4, and and the coach at Evansville is doing a really good job. Guy named Ragland. He's a good coach. They got a good team. But that's not the point. The point is two things. One, if you just stay with it, man, good things happen. And you got to back up success. When things go good in college basketball, the great programs like it. They want it. They dig it. We got to have it. The mediocre programs and bad programs think how great they are, and they get their ass beat. So, as I walked out of Redburn Arena after a wonderful afternoon, had a beautiful chat with Doug Collins, the legend, had a wonderful game to watch. 
I got to tell you, I was proud of the Redbirds. I'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, welcome back. we got a lot to get to today. And if I've offended you to this point, eh, you'll be all right. It's President's Day. You know what that used to mean at Bowling Green? Everybody used to have to go to work because all of these students would come in buses. I think that's what's going on today. A little NFL news. This is a shocker. Ready? See, I've always thought you just shut up. When things are going good, talk a little bit. When things aren't, you shut up and you go to work. You don't try to talk your way out of it. I remember telling Tom Crean this. I'm like, Tom, you're in Indiana. Don't try to BS us. We know. Just work, and you'll be fine. Well, the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, vows to turn things around after an awful first year. He says he's grown. He says he's excited. Well, the season got over 10 minutes ago. So I get it, you work out, I get it, you go hard. But the truth of the matter is, it is best to undersell and over-deliver. Going to OTAs, wow, Bryce Young has a new grasp. Go into rookie camp, show up, be the mentor, be the guy. Oh my gosh, he's really matured. Get into training camp and let everybody else do the talking for you. Let the, let the NFL Network guys Come in. Let Stacey Dales do a piece on you that shows your difference in your size, your strength, and all that stuff. Over-deliver while underselling is massive. It's huge. It is the only way to fly in this world. Or else everybody just thinks you're full of crap. And who really wants to be seen as full of crap? I know I don't, and I'm sure he doesn't. But the fact of the matter is, it's the best way to fly. Indiana basketball, you know I'm going to go to it all day. They just lost to Northwestern. Here was the dumbass slogan of Indiana basketball. Indiana basketball is the shit. That was the slogan. That's what we did at Indiana basketball. The guy on the right, that's what he said. The guy on the left, he's too busy dancing and making TikToks and hanging out in the girls' dorms and at the bars. Maybe. That's what they tell me. Uh, What do I know? Shouldn't have said it, I suppose. Indiana basketball is the shit. Here's what happens. And Bryce Young, don't do this. Don't give yourself a motto. Because when you give yourself a motto, people change that motto. Just don't talk. But Indiana basketball is shit. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that over the last few days. 
That's what you're supposed to do. That's not what you're supposed to do. Don't give yourself a freaking motto. I had a friend, Kenny Burmeister, Loyola basketball. When he got there, he was revving up the engines. We're calling it fast break by the lake. When they were about 5 and 15, you know what the media called it? Kenny Burmeister, the mistake by the lake. Don't do it. Just hush. Hey, if you're Mahomes, fine. If you're Kelsey, yay rah. Everybody else, just go to work. Just go to work. I know you're. somebody asks you, you say, look, I'm working, man. Hey, Bryce, how are you going to recover from a bad year? Look, I'm just going to work. We'll see. I mean, hopefully by the time we get to camp, our team is meshed and we're blah, 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 blah. But I don't tell anybody that I am really, 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 really good. I don't do it. All right, let's go stock up and stock down. Sabrina Ayaseku, she went nose to nose with, with, uh, <laughs> with Steph Curry. She did. Went nose to nose. And lost because, well, you're supposed to lose, but I wouldn't mind seeing that again. All right, we're going to play audio from this. It was fascinating because she shot with a smaller ball, WNBA, which she should. That's the ball they use. But she shot from the NBA three-point line, which, frankly, probably isn't a big difference for her. But Reggie Miller and Kenny Smith got into it. Let's Let's start with the Kenny Smith what she should have done, old Sabrina. I, I, I think she should have shot from the women's line. She should have shot from the women's line. That would have been a fair contest. I still root for Sabrina. I still root for Sabrina. We all are rooting for Sabrina. No. She should have shot from the three-point line that the women shoot from. Why are you putting those boundaries on her? That's not a boundary. She That's what the game is. She wanted to shoot. They have a smaller ball, don't they? She shot a WNBA ball. WNBA ball is smaller. She shot with the WNBA ball. Yeah, but she, she should have shot from the line. In, in there's the a the women's team. tee in golf and there's a men's tee. For a reason. No. She a shooter shoot. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, but they shoot from where they shoot from. No. Thank you. No, no, no. Sabrina Good job, shoot. Sabrina. No, but, but don't let any man put boundaries on you like Kimmy. Uh, well, then give him a regular don't, ball then. Don't let give him the same ball. Put boundaries on you. Give him a regular ball then. It's not fair. There you go. So uh, that's a pretty good argument. And then the other one was stupid, so we're not going to play it. But I tell you what, she went nose to nose. Curry had to sweat. I ain't mad about it. But here's the deal. Um, There's only got to be Steph Curry in this because he's the king. I know Damian Lillard won. I get it. But Damian Lillard had never done nothing other than shoot bad shots at the end of games from the logo. And if he makes them, everybody loses their mind. When he misses them, nobody says nothing. And he has a commercial or two because for whatever the reason. But let's be honest. If you're going to play, you got to have Seth, Steph, excuse me, maybe Luka Doncic. And other than that, Damian Lillard don't move the needle. You play against Steph, Doncic. You're in business. Anybody else? Nobody's watching. That's pretty fun, though. UConn basketball. UConn freaking basketball. Man, while Purdue was taking the gas, UConn basketball had a big one. A big one against Marquette. I mean, they said this was big. Shaka Smart's crew is coming in, and they are red hot. 
My team cannot be stopped. Well, guess what? Mm, man, I tell you what, UConn looked damn good. The final was 81 to 53. Now, here's what you get into sometimes. I don't know the background of what Marquette was dealing with. Like, were their players sick? Did they have a fight the day before? Did girlfriends? Did one of them get an STD, which has all happened this year? I don't know the answer. But something happened. And let's say that nothing happened to Marquette. You got to look at what UConn did and go, that was the most dominating performance of the entire season. I mean, you're talking about end of the season. You're talking about Big, 12, Big East play. You're talking about a 19-5 and five team. Now, they're just coming out off of Whip and Butler. They whip St. John's. They whip Georgetown. They whip Villanova. They whip Seton Hall. They whip Marquette. They, I'm sorry, they whip DePaul. They whip St. John's again. They whip Villanova. They haven't lost since a home loss on January 10th, Marquette. And they got boot stomped. I mean, I watched some of it. I was kind of fired up for it. For some reason, I've turned into a Big East guy. Well, I'll tell you the reason. The Big Ten sucks. My friend Rob Lemley is a producer at ESPN, and he's a UConn grad. And he's a big basketball guy. If you see a studio show... Lem is usually the one producing it. If you see Seth Greenberg, Lem is usually the one producing it. And he always calls the Big Ten the thick ankle league. And this year, all I do is get texts from him. Thick ankles at it again, Wisconsin, Iowa. How many thick ankles can you put on one floor? Minnesota, Rutgers. It's really funny. The game is slow. The pace is terrible. The coaching used to be great. Now, I don't know what the hell they're doing in the Big Ten. But UConn, damn. Uh, NHL Stadium Series games are awesome. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I went to an NHL game. I grew up outside Chicago. Everybody I know, everybody I know, I'm telling you, everybody would go to Blackhawk game. I never went. I don't know. I was abused as a child. No, I wasn't. I'm kidding. Anyway, never went. A few years ago, got Benetti got us tickets. Benetti got us tickets, so we went. We had the best seats in the house in the United Center. Literally, about 15 rows right in the middle. I mean, damn. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was one of the boringest things I've ever seen. I thought it was incredibly dull. Well, you know what? I guess I'm wrong. I think I am. They played in MetLife Stadium the other day, and they're going to play in Wrigley next year. I am wrong. That's fun. Like, I like the Pinstripe Bowl. I wanted to go to the Pinstripe Bowl. Nobody will go to the Pinstripe Bowl with me. Even one year, Indiana was in the Pinstripe Bowl. I like it. I like when Northwestern plays in Wrigley Field. I do. Nothing wrong with it. So we're going to get hockey next year in Wrigley Field. I like seeing Billy Joel and Elton John. I was standing at shortstop. They were in center field for a concert at Wrigley Field. I liked it. I like those kind of things. I don't know. I know my boys do. I know Nick and Nick do because they are men about town. They're out. I'm sure they're trying to sniff around some hotties at a hockey game. 
They don't like the hockey games because everyone's got too much clothes. They're like going to MetLife in the summer. A little less clothing. Sniff around it a little better. Anyway, stock down. Jay Williams, like, look, I get it. You know what? You're a philosopher. Blah, 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 blah. You did say nice things about Caitlin Clark. You prefaced the hell out of it. But just because somebody doesn't take Iowa to a national championship, are you insane? Doesn't mean they're not great in college. I have no idea what she's going to be at the NBA when she faces the racism and the lesbianism and the anger of being a very good playing heterosexual Catholic white girl. Man, it's going to be miserable. If I were her, I'd think about staying. But don't say she's not great. I mean, if you don't think she's great, you just don't know basketball. And I think Jay Williams knows basketball. Oh, baby. Remember the G League? Remember when the Ignite Overtime Elite and all these teams were all the rage? And they were. Kids got drafted out of these teams, meaning you didn't have to go to college. You went to this to Overtime Elite or you went to the Ignite and they taught you how to be a pro and you were making money. Not great money, but good enough money. You didn't have to go to college. You could do your thing. Well, I got to think it might be going. Let's hear. We got a photo tear of what Adam Silver said about it the other day. The G League Ignite, the days may be numbered. And I'm glad. Get rid of these idiotic things. All right, here's the deal. I think given that what's happened, I think we are in the process of reassessing Team Ignite. Some of those players who didn't want to be one-and-done players because they felt it was unfair and they wanted the ability to not just earn a living playing basketball, but to do commercial deals that weren't available to them in college, hire professional agents, an opportunity that wasn't available to them at college. Well, now all of those same opportunities have become available in college. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm in. I, I agree with the worst commissioner in America. I do. I agree with the worst commissioner in America because, you know what, it was interesting for a time. It made self-important, entitled little 18-year-olds. But now that is over. And you can go to college. You can make money. In fact, like if you were smart, you'd stay in college as long as you could. Like Zach Eady could stay in college another year. I'm bitching, whining, and moaning about Indiana. But Indiana could be really good next year if everybody stays. I don't know if everybody will stay. I'm just saying if everybody stays. Uh, Dan, hop on a plane. We'll all go to Yankee Stadium for the pinstripe bowl, and we're going drinking at Billy's. Got to do that. If if Indiana's in the pinstripe bowl next year, I'm doing it. I don't know if you saw this, and I sent this to the guys yesterday, and I think it's probably somewhere in here, but I got to talk about this. Jalen Brown pisses me off. Jalen Brown is going to make $8 bazillion. Jalen Brown is going to make more money than any NBA player. And you don't even know who Jalen Brown is, most of you. Plays for the Celtics, went to college at at, uh, California, hasn't won nothing. But Jalen Brown, who's going to make over $60 million a year, wants to get paid more for less work. His idea of the right amount of games in the NBA is 58. They play 82. 58. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. Think about this on the macular level. You play 82 nights out of 365. That's it. Yeah, but there's travel. Yes, there is. 
Well, that's on a private plane. In a hotel, that's a five-star hotel with the best of meals. So let's double it. 82 times 164, or 82 times 2, is 164. So basically, you work half a year. That's it. I'll even give you 10 more days. How about 190 days? That's it. That's it. That's a school teacher. It's better than a school teacher. But yet, that's too much. That's too much for Jalen Brown to make $60 million a year. Now, I'm going to say that again. $60 million a year. Hey, Siri, what's Jalen Brown's new contract worth? She always says, uh-huh, no. And then it confuses me. $304 million for five years. I got you. And he only wants to play 58 games. Well, travel. Jalen Brown bitches about everything. And nobody knows who Jalen Brown is. But it astounds me. It astounds me that you could seriously look at the American people. Because you know when you say this, that you are going to have this on SportsCenter, on Twitter, on other places. It astounds me that you could be so tone deaf. But here's the deal. This is why Adam Silver is the worst commissioner in sports. Never entitle players. Do what Bob Knight used to do. Let players make decisions on things you do not care about. Uh, We're going to go to Butterfields, or would you rather go to Red Lobster? You don't really care about it. So wherever they want to go. Here's some Jalen Brown audio, if you don't mind. Um, it's tough because um, I honestly I do believe that if you win any type of award, I think you should have to play a significant amount of the season. Like, we got guys who play half the season and win MVP. I'm not a big fan of that, but maybe 65 games might be a little too severe. You know, maybe they lessen it to 58 or something like that, or, or something a little bit less. 65 is a little bit tough. But I definitely think that to win awards, you should, you should play the majority of the games. Yeah, I don't care. I've had enough of Jalen Brown. I really have. I've had enough of all these guys. The All-Star game was a joke. Everybody's going to say downtown Indy did a great job. I don't know what that means. I know this. I wanted to go down Friday night, and it was a snowstorm, so I didn't go. And nobody, and I mean this sincerely, No city that gets snow does a worse job of preparing and evacuating. My agent called me and goes, hey, man, it's gridlocked down here. Now, he may have wanted to see bigger fish. Don't get me wrong. Nobody's tricking this guy. But the fact of the matter is, eh, I guess Indy did a great job. We only had one shooting at a Waffle House. I'm sure STDs were flying everywhere. Be right back. I got Jonathan Hutton. That's right, Gritty. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
I'm just tired of trolls today. So people that are trolling me, I've had enough Indiana fans. I've said it for 15 years what's right with Indiana. And I always got to listen to some guy. So all I'm responding is F off. I'm not dealing with trolls today. So I'm doing a lot of that on Twitter today, Jay Hutt. It's just simply I put F off. I'm tired of trolls. Leave me alone. Just, I've just had enough. Pissed off hey, for greatness, Dan Dockage. <laughs> All-Star Weekend in the books, big boy. What say you? Man, it was in your city. Look, I, I, I don't know about yeah. you, Dan. I don't like the NBA. Guess what? I don't watch the product. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I watched a second of it. Um, I, I'll watch the playoffs whenever it comes down to the conference finals, but I'm not one that talks a bunch of trash and then turns around and watches the product to see what they're up to. I know what they're up to. I mean, they. I, I saw the, the the stories at OutKick. That's reason enough not to watch because you can't even have a, a decent three-point contest, I guess, uh, without having Reggie Miller go after uh, Kenny Smith for being sexist. And then you have Sue Bird after the fact saying that they needed a female on, on commentary because Reggie's virtue signaling wasn't good enough. And then... Uh, I read where LeBron James is 50-50 on if he would have a, a, a farewell tour because he doesn't want to uh, – he's not good at accepting praise. Uh, that's a sign that you are praised way too much, um, and that's exactly what is wrong with the NBA. LeBron James is acting like he's not good at, at uh, accepting all of the hype and, and, the, and the praise and, and, and all the accolades. Come on, man. You know, my wife, who I defer to everything – uh, women-wise, yep. said, of course. what's that Sue Bird talk? She said, what's Sue Bird talking about? All women analysts do is have weak voices, talk about feelings and emotions because they don't know shit. So I'm with you on that. Now, that's offensive to every woman analyst, but I don't care. That's my wife saying it. I'm just passing it well, on. We didn't need a ma- And Reggie Miller can kiss my ass. He was just being a little what? bitch. What, well, what is what is Sue Bird going to add that Reggie Miller didn't do for right. Sue Bird? Like, right. Th- that's what I'm saying. Like, chiming in, like, oh, by the way, is what her response was apparently on the on the article I was reading. It's like, okay, um, it, the the NBA wanted us to look at this clip that I was watching and think that everything was exactly the same, three point line basketball, all of it, because I guess they had the uh, what is it, the virtual court or whatever, which is, looks cool. I mean, it looks awesome. Uh, NHL does a great job with this too during warmups and uh, during pregame festivities for like the Stanley Cup final and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just they can't even have a good weekend. I, I mean, and here's the other thing I haven't heard a one, I haven't heard one thing about the dunk contest. What has happened to that event? Not one thing about the dunk contest this weekend. You know, Brad Nessler and I, for about eight, six, whatever years, did the ESPN College Dunk Contest Slam Dunk Contest. So yeah. the day before, Jonathan, the day before you had a practice and we would interview every contestant to get something interesting, you know, get some nuggets, that kind of thing. And every time, we, every player, I, we said, look, don't walk around like an idiot. Make a dunk. Like, you got to make a dunk. Because yes. what happens, Jonathan, is guys miss dunks, they get embarrassed, and you know how these guys don't like to be embarrassed, so then they act like they're cool. It takes them 10 minutes. It's just, it's it was my least favorite day of the year, the dunk contest, because clowns w- just wouldn't go make a dunk that they could make. 
Make a dunk, well, Jonathan. Let's move on. But here, I, hey, I'm with you, man. Here's the other thing, too, though, about the three-point contest and why we're talking about it, because the stars are in that event. That like that that's that's what growing up, that's what made the dunk contest. There's your favorite players and the the, the superhumans. Uh, and they're all incredible athletes. The superhumans were in the dunk contest, and now they don't want to be. Uh, you know, one guy was uh, heard audio clip on the radio this weekend. One guy was saying, uh, "I'm more of a power dunker. Dunker. I'm not uh, one of the one of the dunkers who's going to, uh, you know, actually put on a show." I'm thinking, like, man, you could jump on the three point line right now if you wanted to be a power dunker. You know, like, it's just not the same event, and it disappoints me. But at the same time, like, it's 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 kind of like. I was asking Charlie at the Super Bowl about this because she does the slap fights, right? Uh, the post, the post uh, slap fight interviews. I'm like, how do you do that? And I was genuinely like, how do you do that after every single slap fight? The, the post fight interview, where it's like, man, you just slap the piss out of that dude. You know, it's like, <laughs> to me, it's like everything is exactly the same. I know there's got to be something else to it, but I mean, every dunk contest now is exactly the same. They make about two dunks, and you're right, they they then get embarrassed because they can't land the other dunk. And then Shaq still gives them an eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, it it's nauseating. I like the Curry thing. I, I'm with you, though. I, it's cool. There was nothing wrong. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with what Kenny Smith said. Not even a little bit. Nothing. Zero. Zip. And Reggie Miller was just going West Coast. I'm not even going to say. Baby. Let's go that route. Just baby. Yeah. I'm with you, man. And, and Hey. Uh, you know, he could talk Cheryl and all this other stuff. They're great. But I mean, it's not like had they not had, had, had Kenny Smith not said anything. I don't know if I would have seen a clip of this shootout between the two. Right. Swear to God. And that, that was the response, uh, on my, my text chain yesterday. It was more about what was said, not what was done. When you look at uh, basketball, you mentioned the NBA. I don't mind the playoffs. I love when the Pacers are in the playoffs because it's a great yeah. vibe downtown. Clay is all over this. Clay is all over the fact that the NBA sucks and the ratings are down. I haven't seen ratings for the dunk contest, but I literally, I know everybody in Indy was excited about it, but I don't know very many people that watched. A lot of people went downtown to see what was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But And I don't blame yeah. them. It's a big yeah. event in your city. You go down and hang out. You know, you want to be a part of the uh, of the festivities. You 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 have FOMO if you're not there, especially if there's a buzz. I mean, if, if Nashville had an NBA team, I've long said if Nashville had an NBA team, when the stars come through, the individual stars, not the teams, I would want to go see some of these guys if they're actually going to play. By the way, uh, I would want to go see them, um, especially in the postseason. I've got a three minute rule: if the game is within ten points with three minutes left, tell me about it. That's the NBA. That's when the game actually starts in the regular season. Three minutes to go, 10-point game. It's a game of runs. That game can be tied within a minute if, if, if it even takes that long. Uh, if it's the third quarter, don't care. First half, absolutely don't care unless I get a little action on it. But normally I won't because it all comes down to the final three minutes. And, I mean, I guess the All-Star game is the same way. I don't know. I, Major League Baseball still probably, in my mind, has the best All-Star game. Um, they're about to ruin it with all these uniforms they're wearing. Uh, but the, uh, but beyond that, I mean, I don't know what system is best when you have the two powerhouses, the NBA, uh, which, uh, just pales in comparison to the power of the NFL. And both of them are forcing this all-star product that is just not anywhere close to the actual sport itself. 
I agree. You know, I do the same in college. I find college basketball to be painfully dull. And then I like the last 15 minutes. I turn the sound down. I go old school Bob Knight. We used to watch for like 10 years. Every game we watched never had the sound. I get tired of listening to Robbie Hummel drawing on. Every, every game in the Big Ten, Robbie Hummel does. And it's like, Jesus Christ, can you, can you shut up, number one? And can you talk in a different – so I turn the sound down. I read a book. I watch a game unless I have action. Then I pay attention. But I'm good for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah, you mentioning you mentioning mm-hmm. Bob Knight sparked this because of something you put out this weekend, and I hope if you've got this coming up, just tell me and I'll listen and watch. But you mentioned you mentioned something about your your Sunday thoughts, and aside from going to church, you said uh, one of the things you said was never trust your AD. Do do what you want never. to do. Did you get burned? Did you get burned doing that? Uh, yes and no, but. Holtman did, Urban Meyer did at uh, Ohio State. Like, Urban Meyer was going through all this stuff, and his AD said, yeah, I'm going on vacation. And Holtman, I'm not going to get into it. I I had a chance to talk to him. I'm not going to get into it. But I know more guys. I've I've become kind of the um, de facto, we're going to call Dan and talk about stuff. And Hmm. so I've had a lot of conversations with guys over the last few weeks that think they're going to get fired or whatever. And my thing is, man, I've heard too many. I, I, had a, I had an AD that we won like four games on last second shots or getting a stop in the last second. And he was a new AD. He's now the AD at uh, Xavier. And I hated him. We all hated him. And he's like, well, you got nine lives and walked by me. And I'm like, yeah, fuck. Well, I, you know what that <laughs> means? What it mean? means he's not in charge. You know? Yeah. Yeah, right? you just I mean, you, you got as a as a coach. Here's the deal. It's like I said this. Remember when Stephen A. Smith was going off about Kingsbury being hired and not be enemy yeah. with the. Uh, my thing is, you True. get one shot at being a head coach. If you're lucky, you get two. I don't give a damn whether a guy's white, green, blue, or purple. I just need somebody that is the best person for me to win with because this is my shot. And if I'm not comfortable, I ain't hiring you. Period. Period. Hey, we mentioned BME. I, I went up. I saw uh, Florio at uh, one of the sports books. Um, he was doing a show with uh, Chris Sims, who was uh, in the Titans locker room for a couple of years. And uh, saw Mike. I'm like, Mike, let me ask you something. Because he he was backing up or in similar, n- not nearly as uh, tone deaf as what Stephen A. And I like Stephen A. Um, what he was saying about BME. Um, what, what they left out in this whole thing was the commanders hired a black defensive coordinator this this right. season so they have they have cliff kingsbury there as the oc um they they hired a black defensive coordinator the the equivalent just on the other side of the football but the argument was about the not keeping their retaining that job or being considered just to stay on but here's the thing um florio said well the argument really isn't about the as much as it is about cliff kingsbury's not qualified and i'm thinking well then why make it about the that's that's fine if it if you're going to make it Cliff Kingsbury has what, what has he done okay, um, but to make it about the enemy when you know of course if it's uh, about race they just hired the black defensive coordinator uh, in the same hiring process well, and cycle it is very that's very disingenuous to the argument they're making. Well, it's even more than that. Uh, it came out that. Magic Johnson, who last I looked was African-American, basically helped set the deal up to get Kingsbury in there. And he's one of the owners. And I think Kingsbury thanked Magic. And I think Magic acknowledged that. So, it, you know, it's all crap. You know, but again, wonder, if I'm a head coach, like, go ahead. 
Go ahead. If you're the head coach. No, if I'm the head coach, I, I, I got to do what I need to do. Like, well, here's what happens oh. with ADs now, because ADs understand they're getting fired. So they'll come in and say, look, how many transfers do you think we should take? I don't want transfer, you know, and and I'd be like, I would look at him and go, oh, okay, and I'd do whatever the hell I wanted to do, because yeah. I got to win. And the other, you know, like you know, the other thing is, there's a big difference. People always say, like Tennessee, the head coach at Kentucky or Tennessee or Auburn. Those aren't. There's no pressure on those basketball jobs. There's no pressure on the Indiana job. There's none. Now, you get a buyout. You get a massive buyout. Hey. You coach at Bowling Green and you're out January 1st. They're coming to get your car and there ain't no damn buyout. So I always laugh at coaches that think there's so much pressure. Shoot, coach at Illinois State. There ain't no $15 million floating parachute or in Tom Allen's case, $25 million in Indiana. So hey. it, particularly at other levels, believe what you do and do it. And don't even sweat nothing else. Period. Two things. I'm, I'm gonna, let's circle back to Kingsbury just briefly uh, after this. Yeah, you mentioned buyouts. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning this on Hot Mike today. Ryan Day, you mentioned buyouts. Ryan Day's buyout is $46 million. The dude is – that is what's broken about college football, Dan, is the buyout money. Look around. So uh, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, $50 million buyout. Dabo, $64 million. James Franklin, $64 million buyout. Penn State it would receive $6 million if he bolted for the NFL. $6 million compared to $64 million if he's fired. But back to Ryan Day. Ryan Day, if he loses, not if, not if he wins, if he loses to Michigan, will be paid $64 million. That That is like That's so what I'm stupid. saying. That's so, so stupid. Stu- like I, said to, I said to the Indiana AD when he was hiring a coach, I said, here's the deal. You know, yeah. Mike Woodson said, well, if you if you want Mike Woodson, you got to fly out and see Mike Woodson. Shut the fuck up. I would yeah. say, look, you want to coach in Indiana? Here's $500,000. You're going to coach in Indiana. We're going to make it fair. You're going to have a good living. But Kentucky, you want to coach in Kentucky? Hey, great, man. Here's a million bucks. That's it. I, I ain't paying you $9 million. What's Calipari going to do if he doesn't coach in Kentucky? What? what? I mean, what's Mike Woodson going to do? Like, I don't understand it. I, I honestly don't, um, but and it is what all, it is. They'll all go get another like, job that won't that won't offset money. They'll, they'll 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 get a job. They'll take less money, so the other university pays them. That's what they'll do. That's what they all do, right? Hey, Kingsbury at USC. I'm just. I don't know what Caleb Williams is up to, but his dad is definitely up to something to stir the pot for the draft. Washington's sitting right there with the number two pick, and Cliff Kingsbury was at USC with Caleb Williams. Is he going to pull an Eli Manning and demand that he goes to a certain team? I mean, I don't know if he will, but I know his dad will be up to something. And if he doesn't want to play you know in Chicago. What I think is, you know what I think is interesting about this? I, I, I think this is fascinating. And to your point, there are so many moving parts in this. What's yeah. Chicago going to do? Are they going to trade? And if they trade, what's the bounty that they get? Then there's the Kingsbury part. There's that part. Hey, look. Kingsbury was there, exactly what you said. And I don't yeah. know the answer to any of it. But I'll tell you this. I am – oh, man, I just lost my earpiece in my ear. I literally – I'm not the guy that reads every damn thing about the draft. But I am the guy that likes to kind of pay attention to the drama of the bigger-name players. And I got to tell you, 
there's a lot of stuff here with old boy, uh, uh, the Chicago Bears and their administration. What are they going to do? What's what's Warren going to do? What's Poles going to? I mean, w- w- what do they want? There's a lot of drama with my Bears. Or used to be my Bears. Not anymore. Well, there, used to hey, be. there could be more. There could be more because the McCaskies. Um, and again, I uh, just reading through the the tea leaves a bit on the, the Titans used to play the Bears whenever I was with Titans Radio a lot in the preseason. So we went to Chicago a few times, and just uh, around the organization, there you know Virginia McCaskey's 99 years old. Um, and a, yes. a great lady by all accounts met her one time, but she was very cool. Um, but when she passes away, Dan, they have so many children that they don't, ne- not all of them necessarily care about football. And I think the majority of them don't. So when it comes down to the vote on the in- inheritance taxes, watch out because that's the next thing. Kevin Warren's going to be, um, he's there to be a mover and shaker, not just for the stadium, but I could see Chicago after I think Seattle will be the next organization that'll be for sale, and then uh, potentially Chicago uh, whenever uh, there is a, a different ownership vote going on with a majority stake. That, well, there, there could be a lot of crap going on there, and you know you're, you're mentioning um, you know what's going on just within the organization and what they're going to do moving forward. I mean Justin Fields, I hope he gets out of there. I hope he's traded. Because he needs a reset to get out of whatever is the umbrella that is the Chicago franchise right now. Because I think he's much better and way more talented than what they've done around him. And the back and forth and the different coaches investing in Nagy and then, you know, going defensive minded. And then, you know, whatever they did last year at, at offensive coordinator that wanted to make him a pocket passer when he's he's basically uh, running like Lamar Jackson within the offense. I mean, get, do something that invests in the skill set of the player. And by and large, what Fields possesses is very much like what are the, the, the top quarterbacks not named Patrick Mahomes possess. I want to see him in a different system. And I wonder if that's Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Washington. Don't know. But I, I hope he gets with an organization with some stability because the Bears don't have it, to your point. No, and the Bears are a mess. And then where are they going to play? You know, they're talking about Arlington Park. Hell, Northwest Indiana's making a big bid. They're also talking about a little south in the – you know, it is int- it is fascinating. And and that's what I'm saying. There's so many moving parts to the Bears. I get the Caleb Williams thing, but there's so many moving parts. Last thing before I let you go, March Madness coming up. Purdue falls. Illinois State's on a roll, which is all I care about. Uh, what are you seeing? Dude, I, so for all the bitching and moaning about the transfer portal in football, I think it has enhanced the basketball product so much. I don't know if you agree, Dan. You may hate this, but the tournament last year, I think, has carried over to the regular season this year and then conference play, and we're going to see even more craziness in the tournament where now it's just become kind of commonplace, and I love it, where if an 11 wins – and goes on a run out of the you know the, the 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 first four, and then they go on a run in the field of sixty-eight or whatever. Or you have a fourteen seed that wins, or a nine seed that goes to the final four. Um, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, I know Florida Atlantic lost this weekend, but they were uh, Lenardi had them as a six seed. You know, they, they're already in the perception of better than where they were last year. I love it, and um, I'm not. I'm going to expect the unexpected this year, and I went chalk last year by and large and got burned. Not going to do it now. And I, I, I like sitting down watching a game and knowing, okay, uh, this is the Cinderella and this is where the uh, this is where the, the road ends. Sweet 16, great run. Now it's on to the Blue Bloods. I, 
hey, uh, I'm here for it. And it's showcasing a lot of different talent across the board. And I love the parody of it. I really do. And we were already seeing that, but it wasn't nearly as deep as what this field possesses. And to your point about, you know, not facing a lot of pressure from the coaching perspective, um, I mean, because of all of this, I don't know where you lose in the tournament. I know Purdue can't be a one and done again, but I don't know where you lose in the tournament Ooh. and don't view it as, uh, well, it's just a it's a stacked field now instead of uh, top heavy and we didn't come to play. Tell you one thing I learned this weekend, and nobody's going to believe this, and nobody will, and it will not happen. But I watched, and this is some stuff I 1,000% know. I watched Princeton play Yale, and I would argue they are better than most of the Big Ten, and it ain't that close. Wow. Now, wow. they're only going to get one team. I watch the Big Ten, and I'm not – I think you're I think you're right. I think that basketball is pretty good. But the Big Ten is an unorganized mess. And I don't know what happened. But they got no talent. There, there isn't a pro. other. Than, I guess Edie's a pro, but there really isn't a pro. There was a game that I coached in Purdue – or Indiana taking on the Fab Five uh, their first year, freshman year. They were 13 yeah. – professional NBA players in that game. Now, I get it. It's all different. But there isn't a single pro in the Big Ten, and I'm telling you. I told my son yesterday, when the season's over, you got to go to Princeton, and you got to go to Yale, and you got to pick those coaches' brains because they're better coaches than anything I'm seeing out here. One of them is going to get in. Who knows whether they win a game? We saw what happened last year with Princeton. But I'm very disappointed in the Big Ten, and that's what I watch mostly. SEC's really good. Big 12's really good. Big Ten sucks. I mean, it really does. What? It's it's what? Jesus. And what what has happened to the ACC? What has happened to the ACC? Kind of the, where kind of I mean, the same thing as the Big Ten. I'll tell you what. North Carolina, in my world, back in the day, was the hardest school in America to recruit against. We always beat Duke for a player. Carolina was impossible, and now Carolina, and this started in Roy Williams's last year. They started taking just okay transfers. Like Cormac Ryan is just okay. They had a Pierce kid when Roy was there at the end, just okay. And when when you look at it, North Carolina, I mean, honest to God, if you ever been, you probably been to the Dean Dome, you look up there, they got more pros. It's like Jesus, oh. these guys. And when when they're not recruiting at a high level, when when UConn is beating, you know, it's it's the ACC suffers because the ACC. Let's be honest, you got two programs there that that should have between them, let's say six to ten pros between them, and I'm not sure they got two. That's how I, mean, I look it's just at weird. it. I mean, they they barely have two teams in the tournament. You know, I, I, I mean, they've got right. four probably. And right I now. swear to you. I mean, let me ask you this. They're talking about eight teams in the Big Ten, six, or ten teams in one of these leagues, and I'm like, that's crap. You know what? If you're 10th in your league, put two uh, Ivy League teams in. I, sw I swear, now this is hey. me doing the eye test, I suppose. But sure. I'm so tired of seeing like a horse shit Mississippi team from 100 years ago or Georgia, whatever, or, or, or Minnesota in. Put in some – Put in some teams that are really good. Like the two teams I watched, one was 18 and three, and the other one was like 17 and four. I mean, damn, that's hard to do. Anyway, but it's, that's, you know what that's else? my rant. Hey, what else is hard to do, though, is change the perception of those on the committee that would lean towards the ACC team that's a very middle of the pack group. 
and that's put right. them in over a team that's that and that has that has happened like I, that and it happened fast uh, that you know greg sankey commissioner of the sec not even maybe 10 years ago maybe it was right about that went to the sec spring meetings got the coaches and the ad's in the uh, room and said well not even the coaches because you say the coaches weren't good enough got the ad's and the chancellor's presidents in and said uh, demanding we are going to improve basketball you will invest in hoops and they did yeah. and they invested through the coaches <laughs> And look at what has happened. It's almost flipped, but the ACC didn't have to do that. I realize some of the best ever stepped down and retired or stepped away. I get that. But the investment happened at the SEC level where some of these programs now are just, I mean, while they don't necessarily win national titles to what you're saying about the pressure, they're, they're night in and night out, the, some of the best teams going if you just tune in and watch a casual college basketball game. I, I like where the sport is, I do. I don't know if it's a great product. What I do know is it's competitive and I'm watching. Like the NFL's not scoring a ton yeah. of points. Yeah. But I'm watching it because it's competitive and yeah. I'm I'm caught up in it because I don't know who's winning. I, I say this every night. Uh, every night college basketball delivers if you watch. Like you're going to see a buzz. Like I turned it on last night and I'm telling you, Utah ran, ran with uh, 6.8 seconds ago, one of the greatest length of the court plays to beat UCLA, and I just happened to turn it on. I called my son at Illinois State. I go, you got to get that play, and you got to put it in. Every night, college basketball delivers if you're paying attention to it. There's no question about it. I, I agree with you. I got to run, my friend. I appreciate you for coming on. That kept you a long time today. Hey, uh, anytime, Dan. I always enjoy this. Really appreciate it. Have a great week. Yeah, that, that was a good chat. That was a really good chat. Yeah, Indiana players got their ass beat last night, so they could get out early. Shoot, they got beat by about 6 o'clock, so they could be downtown drinking. That's what they do at IU. I, I, I'm going to tell you this. In four years as a player under Bob Knight, I never went to a bar between October 15th and the end of the season because I didn't want to get my ass kicked. Period. Period. That's true. Hey, I got an interesting story coming up for you about a young lady. Uh, well, trust me on this. You'll want to hear this story when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, I like story. I, well, I hate stories like this, but I like bringing these kind of stories uh, to the forefront. Leah, Leah Goldstein is a very, very accomplished cyclist, and she was invited to an event by a group called Inspire on, on March 8th. She then got uninvited because of her affiliation with the Jewish military. Now, I'm sitting here, Leah, going two things. One... When did just blatant anti-Semitism come out? And then two, I thought we honored service people for their service and their dedication and they're putting their lives at stake. You're like 0 for 2 in this. <laughs> well, the funny thing was the, um, the theme is to promote diversity and inclusion. So that means diversity and inclusion, except for me, except for Jewish people, right? You know, so, I mean, it basically right. came out of left field. We got a message on Saturday. They said there is an escalation of protests against me speaking. And then Sunday they said, we have to remove you. Just like that. But 
you were removed. Now, I want to make sure I got this right. For 30 years ago, being in the military, and you were removed despite having literally zero political public opinion or zero political affiliation. Well, I've been speaking for 10 years, and not one time has anyone ever come up to me and say, you know what, there was something you said that offended me, not to me, not to the organization that I speak for, not to my media manager, never, ever. And then now they're just making this political, and they're using the IDF, Israel Defense Force, as an excuse kind of to eliminate me. You know, so if I didn't serve, would they still allow me to speak? If I was a Palestinian woman, would I still be allowed to speak? It's good questions. I explain to people what IDF is. Oh, Israel! It's the Israel Defense Force, basically the Israeli military. Right. right. And that's what that's what you were a member of thirty years ago. So I'm going to use my crystal ball here. <laughs> um, there's a saying that smart people are being silenced so that stupid people aren't offended. And <laughs> I'm guessing the group of people was about this many that got offended and the organization couldn't stand up to a group of about that many. Is that accurate? Well, exactly. I mean, it's like a little baby who's crying because they want ice cream. You just give it ice cream just to shut it up. Right. You know, and then that kid turns into a 16 year old. I want a car. So you give it a car to shut it up. Right. So it shows weakness. Right. You know what I mean? And you know, the, the hatred, I mean, and what they're doing doesn't bring us together. It actually separates us apart even further. Right. It's just, it's they're just completely, you know, um, going against what their motto is. It's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. And it's shameful on their part. You're the first woman. Now think about this, listeners out there, because you all think you're a badass, but you're not. She is. Now just understand. First woman to win a 3,000-mile race. Now you get on your Peloton and you do a 40-minute workout you know, with Allie Love, and you think you're killing it, and you are. But this woman, the first to ever win a 3,000-mile race. So it begs the question, when you are asked to speak and have spoke, what do you speak on? I speak about um, kind of the stuff, the struggles that I've gone through. I speak about my athletic career. I hit, speak about hitting rock bottom. I speak about some of the struggles that women go through and how I've handled it. I speak about motivation. I'm here to inspire. And that's what I've done. I mean, you can talk to anyone who's heard my presentation and they'll tell you exactly the same things. I mean, I've had hundreds of comments in the last two days just saying how ridiculous this is. And people who don't even know me, right? But especially the people who have heard me, both men and women, they say exactly the same things. I am not political and I'm not religious. Point blank. That's why I asked what you. That's why I asked you what you speak on because I would want to hear just the story of completing a three thousand mile race and the perseverance and the toughness and the training that went into it, the preparation. I mean, that's what I'm asking you. So well, that's that's ninety percent right, of my presentation. I mean, that's what it is. Or getting Shermer's neck and you know the hallucinations. I mean, race across America is so fascinating that people's you know their jaw drops when they hear some of the stories and some of the emotional and mental stuff that the racers go through. And honestly, you know, three ten percent of it is kind of the lead up of my life, and then everything else is about my athletic career, kind of hitting rock bottom and then getting back over that mountain, right? You know, so. That's the basis of my presentation. So what was the complaint? They, 
Listen, the the emails weren't directed at me. It was sent to my to the to my media manager, and they basically just said there's an uproar of, of you know, accusing me being responsible for the genocide that's happening in Israel right now, right? So they were saying because I'm part of was part of the Israel Defense Force, the military, that I don't have a room in this whole you know diversity you know inclusion uh, conference because I'm responsible for what's going on in the Middle East. That's how ridiculous. I mean, it's ignorance at its finest. What can I tell you? So inclusion shuts out somebody that isn't like them. Who Who is them? Who are we including in this little inclusion group that doesn't include you? Good question. <laughs> you know, they just. They didn't. They didn't specify. I mean, some of the comments were from the people who were kind of protesting to get me out. The organizer said too that many of their sponsors had threatened to pull out if I were to continue. You know, you know, to to speak at that event, which I don't know if it's true or not. I know some sponsors had pulled out because of what happened. So I mean, it's it's a mystery. It's you know, it's a good question to ask the organizer to ask Heather Dontry what what how this escalated. You know. All right. So. You're not speaking at this. What are you still active? Are you still killing it? Listen, I'm I'm registered to race Transamerica this year, which is a which is a 4,200 mile race, non-supported across the country. So yeah, I'm pretty active still. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Hey, I want to go back to something. Uh, the hallucinations. What's the weirdest thing you can remember? Oh my gosh. Well, you know that you're not. You know you're sleeping in a 48 hour period from zero to half an hour maybe right so your brain kind of goes wonky on you so i guess the scariest thing is when i was riding it was like two o'clock in the morning and i saw a black panther leap towards me so i veered over to the other side of the road right so in that respect it can be very dangerous right but i mean you know big boulders yes. turn into monsters the deer crossing signs you actually see the deer crossing the road it's just it's insane it's it's insane what how the brain kind of goes funky on you when it's so sleep deprived uh, my big boss told me we should make it clear that the genocide is not in Gaza. The genocide, uh, saying it's genocide is a very big lie that they're putting on. They're putting oh, on absolutely. Leah here. Uh, yeah. So when you when when you move forward here, um, is is speaking. Uh, is speaking a part of a major part of your income is speaking some, you know, have, have, have other people said, Hey, look, I know this happened, but we would like to have you at this, you know, this thing at this operation, oh, this inclusion. Yeah, event. we've had, I mean, it's not my major part of, you know, I mean, I do it cause I love it. I love to motivate. I like to help people, you know, um, helping others is, you know, is a feeling that's 10 times greater than anything you can do for yourself. So that's what I do. That's what I thrive on. Um, I mean, like I said, they haven't killed my motivation or my desire to carry on. It just it increases it, right? It makes me even it fuels my fire, right? You know, but as I said, it's just people that are ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't want to educate themselves. We know sometimes people are like sheep. We tend to follow and not knowing what we're following, oh. really. I tell you what, I I, I absolutely, I, I'm starting to live by the saying that I said earlier, which is smart people are being silenced so that stupid people aren't offended. I mean, <laughs> you're like the poster child for that. I'm telling you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that as a nice compliment. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Thank like you. you got a little group of idiots in this group that want to silence you after all the great stuff that you've done and the, and the, and the stories 
and 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 the motivation that you could share. But there's a little group of stupid, uh, soft, <laughs> whatever the word is, that can't be offended, and the bigger caters to this little group. It's incredible. <laughs> What's this group called? Inspire. What the hell is the name of this group? Who can I rip? It's the Diversity Inspire Women's Group in Petersboro, Ontario, right? You know, and that's I claim yeah. they claim to be inclusive for all, to provide a safe place. Except if I'm there. If I'm there, then it's not inclusive and it definitely won't be safe if I come. Right, you know, so <laughs> I didn't know I was that dangerous. Jeez. Jesus. <laughs> Man, let me tell you, I mean, I've always heard about the Israeli army, but I didn't know 30 years <laughs> later you still had that kind of, you know. Oh, I didn't man. know either, well, but hey, that's Leah. good to know. That's good to know. I feel more, you know, stronger. <laughs> you know, hey, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Uh, you know, a question about about a couple of things. One, um, when you get invited to something like that, and it, you know, it's an honor to speak. And how big a group are we talking about here? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I've spe spoken to many different from, you know, 100 to, you know, 900, right? So I'm not sure, yeah. but I'm, I'm pretty sure it would have been pretty well a full house. But I, I don't know that number. I really don't. Like, well, but, but my point, I guess, is that you're a big draw. And if people want to hear you, it's amazing to me, like, okay, did people stand up or try to stand up for you with this Inspire inclusion group? Well, uh, yeah, exactly. So exactly what they're doing now, right? You know, I mean, like I said, it was, it just kind of came out of left field and we didn't, you know, I didn't, I've never been in this situation before. What do you do? Right. You know? And so when I kind of mentioned it, I have a strong following people said, you know, you can't be silent about this. We have to, you know, make noise and say, this is not okay. And so I didn't know it would escalate to this, right? I mean, it's insane how the traction and attention this situation is getting, right? But because honestly, I've never experienced this. I mean, I've lived in Canada, you know, most of my life, minus the time I lived in the Middle East, and I've never experienced anything like this. It's not like I hide who I am. People know that I'm Jewish. People know that I served in the Israel military. You know, I don't hide under a rock. I'm proud of who I am and what I've done. And like I said, I've never experienced anything like this. So I didn't even know how to handle it, really. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, your military service comes back to haunt you. And she's the fact that you're Jewish. Like I said, you're 0 for 2. You're Jewish and you're well, in the military, I mean, which... Well, they wanted me to make a statement, too. So, I mean, what kind of statement were they expecting from me? The only statement I would make is that I was very proud to serve. And if Israel needed a 55-year-old right now, I'd jump on a plane tomorrow. There, that's a statement you'll get from me. How would that go over? I don't think very well, you know what I mean? But seriously, <laughs> like, do we really need to bring politics into this? Like, it's because I said my... No! It's it's insane. If I, if you know, if I was, I'd run for, for, for president or for prime minister or whatever. I'm not into politics. I don't want anything to do with it. I keep away from it. It's what divides us, you know what I mean? And it has nothing to do with who I am or what I represent or what I speak about. So what, what the hell are they bringing this in, right? And they're just using it. As I'm saying, they're just using the IDF, whatever, as an excuse. And what about women that want to come to this, you know, event that aren't speaking? So they're excluded too? Because I can guarantee you, any person in Israel, it's mandatory to do the service. So anybody coming from it, they've done the military. You know, I don't care if you're 30 or you're right. or 75. You've, you've done, you know, you served in the IDF. So what, they're not invited to this event either? You know. Well, that's a great point. It's all, yeah, that that's a spectacular point. Last thing before I let you go, when 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 somebody comes to you, 
with this. And they say, hey, look, we want you to speak. Wait, we, we, don't, want you, we, we don't want you to speak. Did, did anybody say, like, hey, we're really sorry? But, but more than that, don't people that do this understand how, I'm going to say freaking, hypocritical it is to call this is what drives me nuts i'm sorry i'm I'm asking too long a question but it drives me nuts the hypocrisy we're inclusive we we yay rock give us money we're all about inclusion except for your ass because 30 years does anybody say look we know we're being full of shit here does anybody say we apologize as you know we're gonna nothing Nothing. Nothing. Zero. I actually sent a statement to the organizer, you know, and crickets, nothing, zero. She never even had the, the I'm going to call it the balls to, to co- connect with me personally yeah. and say, you know what, let's talk about this. You know, and that statement that she made should have come from me, right? But she's just a coward. She's a, she's afraid to face me. I'm still open up, you know, let's have a conversation. But she won't, you know? That's unbelievable. That's what I figured. I figured that was the answer before – before asking the question, I guess, you know. Well, I think she's. I, there's no. There's no defense on her part. She has nothing to say to me that you know will make this right. The only way she can make this right is to apologize not only to me but to her whole you know audience. Come March eighth, saying you know what, what I did was a huge mistake, huge mistake, and I should have shouldn't have been influenced by a bunch of ignorant people. That's what she should do to make yes. this right. Yeah, particularly because the name is inclusion. Yeah. <laughs> Diversity and inclusion. <laughs> That's on the title. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, hey, Leah, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. I'd like to have you on again to talk about the the good stuff, the the, the yes. travels, the, the heart. I mean, we're going to do that again, to. and we're just going to talk about the races and, you yes. know, because you're – Absolutely. You're a, I was going to say <laughs> – I was going to say you're an American badass, but you're a Canadian badass, so that's fine too with me. Awesome, Thanks, Ben. Thank Leah. you so much. <laughs> Thank you. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Look, honest to God, we're inclusive, except against you. That's thanks to Leah for coming on. We're, we're inclusive. Hey, not you. Oh, okay. Really? Who are we inclusive of? Well, not you. Like, I don't get I, I it. Whenever I see something like this, I make fun of it. I just do because it is so typical, so ridiculous. I give, I'm going to change the direction just a second. I give my pastor, not my pastor, I go to his church and it's a huge church and I love the guy and he always talks about fake Christians. He goes, one of the problems about being a Christian is everybody thinks you're a fraud. That's how I am with groups that start out with inclusion and diversity. I think they're a complete effing fraud. That's what I think. Now, you don't have to think that, but we're inclusive of women and yet an, uh, an American, an a, a icon who has an unbelievable story, unbelievable courage, is, oh, by the way, a woman, is not allowed to share that story at a diversity thing because 30 years ago she stayed in the military, which is mandatory in Israel. When did anti-Semitism become like, okay, when did it just become okay? It's like, I don't know, like, were you all hiding with your robes somewhere, you know, or, or your, your frocks or, and now you're like, oh, now we can talk about anti-Semitism. We can exclude. Like, when did this start? 
I think it started, ironically enough, with the slaughter of so many Jewish people months ago. And then all of a sudden, like, Jewish people get slaughtered in their homes, raped, beheaded, executed in front of kids, and that somehow, somehow in the fucked up world that we live in here in the United States made it okay to be anti-Semitic, and same thing in Canada. Explain that logic to me, will you please? Explain it to me. Honest to God. Honest to God, it, I, I, I try to, in my life, think of things logically. And I paid attention, again, I have many Jewish friends, my sister-in-law, my niece's nephew's Jewish, so I paid attention. And nobody can explain the logic to me that what transpired, and I should know the date, I don't, like November 7th, I think, I, whatever somehow made it okay to hate on Jewish people in the United States. Somehow, that's what happened. And we allow it. And obviously now in Canada, I'm going to keep repeating myself because it just makes me insane. The lack of having any kind of brain just drives me nuts. Any kind of logic just drives me nuts. Any kind of common sense just drives me nuts. Oh, man, I don't get it. I guess I'll never get it because I'm just not as smart as you all that condone it. I don't think really anybody on this show that's watching this show would condone it. I don't think so. I really don't. Maybe I would. (sighs) Drives me nuts. Hey, did you see the Pac-12 got rid of its commissioner? That's like, really? Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Like, is there a Pac-12? All right. Hey, the Pac-12 got rid of George Klamashikov. Oh, great. Really? I mean, what are we, about two months away? I hope he got a severance like these coaches. I hope he got a package like these coaches. Uh, Kansas City mayor is mad. He's mad at the governor Because the governor, dog whistle, this is what the Kansas City mayor is mad about. The governor of Kansas City, or governor of Kansas City, uh, not the governor of Kansas City. Let's let's go a different route. All right, here's the deal. The governor of Missouri somehow said the word thug. The mayor of Kansas City is mad, and he is accusing the governor of dog whistling saying Missouri governor used a dog whistle when he blamed thugs for the shooting at the Super Bowl. Well, wait a second here, governor or uh, mayor, uh, Quentin Lucas. Ryan Clark said it was okay we said thugs. I don't give a shit about a dog whistle. I give a shit about thugs carrying guns and shooting up a parade. And if you're worried about the word thug, you're an idiot. And I'm guessing you are an idiot. He disagreed how he described it. I certainly do think this was a criminal activity, lawlessness, and I think it's troubling. But thug is a dog whistle in the most classic sense, and I've seen this dog whistle time and time again. refers to a message or phrase intended to be heard only by a certain group. Thug has been used as a coded language typically to demonize black people as criminals. Oh, shut up. Shut the fuck up. 
Excuse my language. I got to stop that. It's talked about with everyone. And why can Ryan Clark say it about a bunch of white dudes and you can't say it here? Bolshevik. You should be able to say it anytime you want when it comes to people shooting. And if you don't like it, you know what? You've just got some uh, absolutely be careful what I – oh, shut up. Just shut up. You know what? Here's what the governor said. Yeah, you just got some absolute, be careful what I say before I say something I'm going to regret, but just a bunch of criminals, thugs out there, killing people at an incident like that and attempting to kill all those people. They were, if you, that's what the mayor of Chicago's worried about. That's what the mayor of Kansas City is worried about. Just get their ass out. Ryan Clark is on national TV saying thugs. That means I can say it. I don't give a damn. Well, then you could say the N-word, Doc. No, I'm not. Nuh-uh. That word never has come out of my mouth, nor will come out of my mouth. But thug, are you crazy? It's a dog whistle. No, it's a murder scene, you moron. Jesus. I mean, the level of stupid in this world has no floor. Ryan Clark, speaking to him, he's bitching, whining, and moaning. His contract's getting set to expire. Here's what I do. Ryan, here's the deal, man. Love you. You're great. Uh, we liked your contract last year. We're going to give you the same contract. What do you mean? I want more. I want an Emmy. Good. That's what we're doing. Go somewhere else. It's what they did with Tarico. It's what they did with Brad Nestler. Now I get it. Ryan is more apt to cry racism. But Ryan Clark, there's nobody in the world that says, well, I got to see what Ryan Clark says on this. Nobody. He's a racist. How about he would not appear with Sage Steele because her politics hurt his feelings. So he's a, he's a little batch as well. <laughs> uh, speaking of anti-Semitism, in Qatar, Anastasia Gorbeno was booed at the World Aquatic Championships in Qatar. She was booed for being Jewish. It's what we do now. Jewish people get slaughtered, okay, and guess what? Jewish people now get hated on publicly. This is weird. This guy was in Indiana for a minute. He stinks. Quarterback Jack Tuttle somehow at Michigan is getting a seventh year. Let's say that again, a seventh year. Woke adult me, let's go. Seventh year. I'd stay in college till I was 80 if I could. Are you crazy? Good for Jack Tuttle, but he stinks. I mean, stinks. If he's playing at Michigan, take Ohio State and give the points. He could be in his 10th year, and he stinks. True story. What do you got for me, Woke-a-Dopers? Love that. Pa, what does politically correct mean? Well, Opie. It means giving up your own opinions and beliefs in order to please some whiny little cry baby. <laughs> Did I do a good Andy? <laughs> Politically correct. Oh, man. You got to be kidding me. There should be, yeah, look, you got to have some sensibility. You got to have some empathy. But political correctness can give a big smooch to my big fat dupayash. Because most folks that want everything to be politically correct haven't done shit. They haven't done a damn thing. Nothing. Zero zip. They just want to complain and whine. It's like our guy Doyle. 
Our guy Doyle today is whining about Mike Woodson calling out a player. Look, if you play like crap at Indiana, you should get called out for playing like crap. But Greg Doyle couldn't play dead, couldn't play with himself, can only play with young married women that just have kids, the most vulnerable of us. That's his target audience. So, Mike Woodson, you keep calling him out. I wish you'd win a game. You guys suck. But, hey, I ain't mad at you for it. And the little whiners on the left, they're going to whine about it, but just keep doing it. Next. Take out the trash in November. Look at Joe Biden looking so stern. Looked like he's getting ready to stand up to old corn pop. He getting ready to start his morning at the Mexican church and then head on over to the African-American church all before 7 o'clock and school starting. And Kamala Harris... She looks like she's seen a big one coming at her. She looks like she got her heels up and something's coming at her hot and steamy. <laughs> God, I love this show, Gary. Aaron, <laughs> look at all heels up. Hey, look, you got to get rid of these people. These people are an insult to my intelligence and I ain't very smart. Next! <laughs> look at heels up. Oh, man. Look at Franny. What you talking about, Franny? Franny got a lot of cash in her house, so if you're looking to rob somebody, apparently she says it's a black thing. I got to ask a couple buddies of mine, is that a black thing? You keep a bunch of cash in your house? And if so, why? I always thought it wasn't prudent to keep a lot of cash in your house, or it certainly wasn't prudent to keep a lot of cash in your house and talk about it on CNN or Fox or anywhere else. Because, you know, if you've watched any of the movies, people can pay attention to you now. They can find out where you live like that. In fact, I had a bag of penises sent to me a few years ago. I did. I did. I had a bag of penises sent to me. <laughs> I did, seriously. And it was weird. Because I couldn't believe they found my house. They found my house that quick. Franny, don't do that. Look, I don't like you. I think you're a fraud. I think you're a liar and a cheat and everything else. But don't tell people you keep lots of stuff, money, in the crib. Hey, last, last thing. I want to thank everybody. You know, about three, four last three weeks, I really haven't been myself. I came back to this show a little too early, but I'm feeling good now. And over the course of the last three weeks, I really talked about the surgery. It's not life-threatening. It's, you know, a knee. What the hell? But I got to tell you, you people have been great. Yeah, you have. And I'm all in on it. I'm all for it. Yeah. I was on one today. You know why? I'll tell you why. Two things. One, it's the first time, actually the second time in six weeks that I felt really good. I got up at like 5.30 in the morning. I feel really good. And then I felt even better because Illinois State won last night. You know what's amazing as a father? You kind of live vicariously. Nine out of 99.9 times, except yesterday, I've never really react when I go to my son's games. I sit there when he was a kid playing. I never said a word to a ref, never called a coach. I only stopped in at practice if I had to drop something off for him. I never. Not my business. He's doing his thing. I trust the coach. But yesterday, I was a lunatic. I threw my hat down. I'm like talking. Why? Because I knew it was a really big game. See, 
at the mid-major level, you can't lose every damn home game. And Indiana State was ranked 23. Illinois State, my son's team, went and beat them. Well, now you're coming home. You got to win that game. So they won it. I feel like I had involvement, even though I did it. So I'm feeling great today. See you guys manana, I hope.